This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. We're back for another episode of Sports and Corks. I'm Emily Cornell. I'm Emily Jarenka. And we are going to stick to sports this week. Um, We're going to talk about a sports documentary called The Scheme. It's on HBO. And um, yeah, we're pretty much going to dig right into that. Do you want to give an overview, Emily? Sure. Yeah. So The Scheme uh, covers a scandal that took place in college basketball, um, I guess, a couple years ago now. Um, yeah. crazy to think that it was that long ago. So basically, um, 10 men, including four active assistant coaches at top tier basketball programs, uh, were arrested on fraud and corruption charges. Uh, so the coaches or assistant coaches, excuse me, were from Auburn, Arizona, Oklahoma state and USC. And then among those 10 people were, um, people who worked for Adidas who, um, were kind of doing stuff with, like, shoe and uh, basketball gear deals with the universities. Um, So that's kind of just the basics of it. Um, The star, I guess, of this show (laughs) is Christian Dawkins. Uh, Do you want to talk about him a little bit? Yeah, so Christian Dawkins, his father was a, a high school basketball coach in Michigan, and, um, that's kind of how he got his start. He, this is objective, but he wasn't exactly like a great player. Like he played all right, but like it wasn't going to get him through college. So then he figured out another way to like kind of stay working in sports um, from a young age. Like he's obviously like a go getter, an entrepreneur. He's like that, um, you know, the grind Twitter, like the grind never (laughs) stops. Like that's Christian Dawkins. Um, So he was making like deals when he was helping on like an AAU team. Um, Again, like he could play like he was average athleticism, but he was no like next level player who's going to make it in a division one program or in the NBA. Um, And I think he like in the back of his mind realized that. So he pivoted and into like the business side of things and it very much suited him um he was like getting checks in the mail for like scout a scouting service that he like created um so he's like the major player of all this because he was like again he had those relationships that he built from like a young age up until He was in his 20s where he could be like, yeah, like we should work with this guy because like we have this relationship with him. Um, And then eventually he um, got in trouble for various things with the FBI, with um, 
coaches like he made a mess of his life on accident he stumbled into a mess <laughs> yeah so I thought it was interesting how he was an entrepreneur at such a young age um so when he was 11 he was getting checks in the mail for the website that he had made I don't know if he made it or had someone set it up for him but um, it was a scouting service for ranking the best um, youth basketball players in the state of Michigan and the surrounding area. And college coaches were paying $600 for access to this website that this 11-year-old created. Um, and then when he was 16, he was the general manager of uh, like a prominent youth basketball team that his brother played on. Um, and he would like recruit players and even got endorsement for the team from Under Armour so they got shoes and gear as part of that um and he stated Christian Dawkins stated in the documentary that um by the end of his time as the general manager of this youth basketball team that the team was getting funding over six figures between the stuff from Under Armour and um you know just like sponsorships from local businesses and whatnot so if that's all true, that is pretty wild. Um, oh, so, yeah, because he was saying he was the youngest person to get, like, a shoe deal and not necessarily, like, how um, any professional athlete gets, like, the shoe deal where they're, like, playing and wearing that shoe, yeah. but just the fact that he, like, outfitted a team. Yeah. So from a young age, he was hustling, wheeling, dealing. Um, and then uh, as an adult, he worked for um, – ASM, which is a big um, company in the sports industry uh, for agents. Uh, it was an interesting point that they made. Um, he was, Christian Dawkins was pretty adamant that he was basically an agent just without the actual title because um, there are a lot of hoops to jump through to get that actual title. But mm -hmm. uh, then other people they interviewed in the documentary were like, Oh, uh, he was basically a runner, like doing all these favors and errands for all these people in the company. And it was just interesting to see how different people um, thought of his role there in different ways, I guess. It was interesting because like, obviously they acknowledged that he had the relationships with the players that like Andy Miller, who he worked for, could not necessarily develop those relationships in the same way. Um, so, like, when they talked about that, of, like, him being a runner and not an agent, but he was kind of helping with, like, closing those deals, um, the different perspectives were definitely an interesting piece of the documentary. 100%. Um, and then transitioning to Ubergate, <laughs> do you want to take that one away? <laughs> Um, so Christian Dawkins was part of Alfred Payton's financial team. And so he had Payton's, um, credit card in his Uber account. And so people then had access to it. And this part, this is fairly early in the documentary where I'm like, yeah, that seems shady. Like, how do you have someone else's like credit card information in your Uber and not be like, after the first time you use it, like, okay. I'm going to take this out and put my own back in. Or like when you're working for a company, typically you have like a procurement card or a P card that you were like, oh yeah, I use this for charges that I then put in my 
conquer or whatever um to handle that so that it's not your own money um so then he's part of that and Peyton's card gets charged a ton of money and um it's like, like hundreds of thousands right yeah it's like a ridiculous amount of yeah. money like when they were talking about how many times per day you would have to be using it to like mm-hmm. charge to uber i'm like okay so something is not adding up there but also like why did you keep this guy's um credit card information in your uber I, like you should have just gotten rid of it to be fair like i kind of get it i mean if he's you know kind of organizing things for a player's family and the player wants yeah you know him to like request rides for the family members and that sort of thing like i get that but i just feel like you're, you would be super careful to make sure that when you request a ride, you're using the correct payment method. Like, yeah. once he left the company, I don't understand why he, like, just didn't completely remove it from the account altogether or didn't set, like, his own personal credit card or whatever as the default payment method. Like, that would be the logical thing to do. Um, it does seem strange. Like, when he was, when he was working with... Um, Alfred Payton, to me, the whole concept of, like, him having his credit card on his Uber account, like, I get that. That makes sense to me. But after he leaves the company and he's no longer working with that player, I just don't, I don't get that. Um, That was kind of, like, the start of the snowball effect for um, Christian Dawkins. So, as a result of all this, um, Andy Miller severed ties with him, um, but they remained in good standing with each other on a personal level and even professional, it seemed like. Um, Yeah. And so then Christian Dawkins starts his own um, management company for athletes called Lloyd Management. Um, So that's where things like really start to get um, interesting. So someone called Jeff D'Angelo comes into the picture uh, and he was essentially funding Lloyd Management, uh, his company, to funnel money through college coaches to elite college basketball players. And um, kind of the concept was that the coaches would then get these players to sign with Lloyd Management um, once they were ready to leave um, college athletics. So... I guess that kind of just brings us to Jeff D'Angelo, who is like probably one of the more interesting characters in this whole thing. Yeah, he's definitely by the end of the documentary, you're like, "Mm, of all these shady people, this man is the shadiest. Yeah, questionable for sure. I mean, I know part of it's just the way the documentary portrays things. They oh, want you sure. to be like suspicious of everything. But um so Jeff D'Angelo and um a woman named uh Jill Bailey, they like came into Lloyd Management as kind of like investors. Um they were both undercover FBI agents um, who were investigating the company. Basically, their mission was to prove that Lloyd Management, Christian Dawkins' company, was bribing um, college coaches who the FBI viewed as public officials. So that's like the definition of bribery is um, 
you know, giving benefits to a public official in exchange for something, whatever. Um, it's interesting, the whole concept of college, like football or basketball coaches of these major programs being viewed as public officials because yes, they are in a way, but like also it just feels like they're really not. Um, yes. So that was basically what they were resting their whole case on was that they were going to prove that public officials, college basketball coaches, were being bribed. Um, and it's funny because as things progress, like it shows um, that uh, Christian Dawkins was definitely getting suspicious and like things didn't really, weren't really adding up for him um, in regards specifically to Jeff D'Angelo and like how he was wanting him to use the money he was fronting. Um, yeah. But like, obviously he didn't quite piece things together. Um, it was like people were trying to make puzzle pieces fit together that just didn't like really quite work. Yeah. Well, I think that like with, uh christian dawkins like he kind of threw a wrench in a lot of plans because he was super naive like he was super young when he got into this so like of course he didn't think to like question everyone that he worked with and then even when he was like i don't fully trust this guy's like motives or whatever whatever he was feeling in the moment that led him to make the decisions he made he, I think, just didn't have the experience to, like, think about what was going on, like, fully, where he was, like, so, like, Jeff D'Angelo, D'Angelo wanted him to, like, essentially pay the coaches. And he was, like, why would we pay the co-? Like, he was thinking in a way that, like, was not quite corrupt, but also it was very naive and, like, oh, yeah, why would we pay the coaches? We don't need to pay the coaches. We just play the pay the players and their families um and not even thinking like oh yeah this is i mean who would honestly think that they're trying to be trapped in like a a bribery scheme at the end of it like that definitely i don't think would have crossed his mind it wouldn't have crossed most people's minds but especially because he was like in his early 20s when this was happening to him he's like oh yeah this guy's giving me funding so i can start this business so i can help young athletes yeah so it just with the recordings that were released as part of this it's it becomes like very clear that d'angelo was very much pushing for we have to pay the coaches the coaches the coaches because that was what their whole case against um d'angelo and everyone else kind of in this group was leaning on um and then like D'Angelo just didn't really it didn't make sense to him so we didn't really go along with that um he kind of just tried to like cut D'Angelo out of communications in a way but um I was confused because um D'Angelo started getting suspicious of like who are these people who are or sorry not (laughs) D'Angelo Um, Dawkins started getting suspicious of D'Angelo and Joe Bailey, who were both the undercover FBI agents. And he had a friend who used to work for the DA, or ADA, what was it? DA. 
don't know, some government, some government office. He had um, his friend like look into them and they, he ran background checks on them and they came up clear. Like these people are legit, but I don't, I guess like the FBI would have just set up like information on the internet to show that these people had like experience in finance or whatever story they were telling. I just, I'm kind of like, how, how does that work where like the FBI creates these completely fake identities for these people, but they have like a paper trail for it essentially. I mean, I would assume that they would do that for anyone. Like I feel like college basketball and like bribery for college coaches it's like kind of a side piece for FBI investigations. Like they're like, yeah, we should investigate this because like we don't really want people who are employed by a public university to be doing shady stuff. But I'm sure that like when they built these like fake identities of Jeff D'Angelo and like Jill Bailey, um, they were like, we might find like a small thing. We don't need to like, we still have to build out the full thing that we would do for anyone else. But I'm sure the FBI does this for like any type of case they do. It just like most of their cases, like I don't, I don't know if any ca- one case is more important than the other, but I would have to say that like <laughs> most of the things are more important than college basketball for the FBI. Like, that's just my assumption, and that's just because I'm like, I surely hope my tax dollars are going towards investigations <laughs> that are actually benefiting, like, the general public, not college basketball, to take down some college basketball coaches. Like, are you serious? Is this how you're spending my taxpayer money? <laughs> I sound super, like, conservative right now, but, like, I'm asking very serious questions. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to me that they can come up with this whole life story and, like, make it seem real for undercover agents, essentially. Yeah. Like, if if the criminals they were investigating were to start looking into them, like, there's a paper trail on the internet of, like, who are these people? And it's just crazy to me that they can create all of that stuff. I just found it that, seems like, like, really fascinating. That's That's how you put to use any type of, like, creative writing masters of fine arts like i'm 100 percent sorry that i just made that joke but like yeah that's how you are like okay we hired someone with like this degree in like a creative writing make Make up a life story yeah and then you like you make them collaborate with like a um front-end developer and all of a sudden you've created this life of jill bailey i am (laughs) yeah um so another, I guess one of the main people on this documentary that they interviewed was uh, Steve Haney, who was uh, Christian Dawkins' lawyer during this whole thing. He didn't really play a ton of a role in the actual like story of um, what all went down prior to things moving into the court of law. Um, but he just kind of like served as a narrator. Um, so... Let's see. What else do we have to unpack? There's so much. <laughs> um, so it's interesting going back to just D'Angelo for a minute. Um, he and other people, other FBI people on the case were investigated for misconduct. 
Um, mm-hmm. So D'Angelo was the primary investigator of this case, but they pointed out in the documentary that he didn't was not ever in the courtroom during the trial against Dawkins for this. Uh, yeah. Never took the witness stand, which is crazy, um, because the like the lead investigator would essentially be the person that would be serving as a representative from like the an organization like the FBI. So that was just kind of wild. Um, there were accusations of um, basically the FBI agents involved in the case, like using public government money um, for their own kind of like party purposes and stuff. Um, so that's problematic. Yeah. Yes. And to kind of dig into what you mean with like the party purposes. So uh, Christian Dawkins went to Vegas and with Jeff D'Angelo um, for like coaches meetings in the middle of the summer for folks who are not super familiar with like when coaches meet. Um, they do like these like different annual different meetings throughout the year where that's the time where you're like deciding who am I going to take on staff? And like, you're just networking. It's basically their networking events. Like, is that a good way to describe any type of these events, Emily? Yeah, I think that's a fair, fair description. Like just kind of mingling, meeting people, whatever. Howdy doody, (laughs) you know? It's not about like the partying aspect um, while it was like hosted in Vegas, but like it is for sure like, okay, we're going to use this. And like throughout like college athletics, like there are different meetings where it is like, okay, we're going to do some like professional development, but also some networking because I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to move on to a different school. So it's similar for coaches. So they're meeting and Christian Dawkins is there with Jeff D'Angelo and they're like, we're going to meet with these coaches and we have all this money. What was super shady was that they had all this like cash money in Vegas. They went out and like, there was money that was not that they went out and like spent and it didn't like for the FBI agents, it didn't necessarily feed into their case they were using it and this is where they like mismanaged their case. And I'm like, you're wasting my tax dollars. Um, was to go out and like party in Vegas, which I'm like, great, like good for you, but like, don't use taxpayer dollars for it. Um, and don't like, if this is an investigation, you shouldn't be, um, going out partying, which like, the FBI acknowledged when they were like, they mismanaged this case. Yeah, definitely a conflict written in there. Um, as oh, we yeah. Explained. Um, so a couple other stakeholders in um, Lloyd management were Munish Sood, I believe is how you say it. Um, he was a millionaire investor who fronted money for Darkwing's company to get um money to the players and then um marty blazer which i don't know that the documentary really did the best job of explaining his role in it because i felt like all of a sudden it was like they were just kind of mentioning him like oh yeah he was in these meetings whatever didn't totally understand his role um he was a financial advisor who had been investigated Mm -hmm. by the sec for stealing millions of dollars from his clients that he funneled into like a personal movie production project yeah Um, 
so I'm like, I'm assuming that he was involved in, in Lloyd management from like a finance perspective, but I, I didn't feel like they were super clear on that. Um, no, but he they was, were, go ahead. Well, I just feel like they were like, he's shady and has money, yeah. but like, didn't say why he was shady, but obviously said how he had money. Yeah. And obviously he knew somewhat what was going on because yeah. to save his own skin, he told feds that he had info on a scheme to bribe college basketball coaches and he essentially was the one who initiated this whole three-year-long fbi investigation um so i'm like how did we get from (laughs) just kind of like vaguely talking about him to he's the he's like the one that started this whole um thing i don't know it was i felt like there were some kind of gaps in information yeah, I I definitely agree with that, especially when it comes to Marty Blazer. Um, with other characters in this story, um, it was pretty clear as to why they couldn't give like a fully rounded perspective around them, just because they didn't they chose not to participate. Um and that was like probably the bigger thing was they just were not represented from themselves or anyone else talking about them it was definitely from the perspective of christian dawkins and his lawyer yeah i mean that's basically all you get from this documentary yes it's definitely very interesting um and i would like recommend just watching it but um compared to like other documentaries on any subject it's definitely like a very specific viewpoint in the cast of characters yes so just keep that in mind i guess if you watch it yes that was like i didn't realize going into it it would be pretty one-sided because i just expect even like when we watch (laughs) i don't want to compare it to tiger king but even (laughs) tiger king where they like had the perspectives of all these different people involved with the craziness Like, everyone is doing, like, wild things in that documentary, but they get the perspective of a lot of different people involved. In this specific documentary, they get the perspective of Christian Dawkins, who, like, I get it, he was wronged. However, he thinks that he was, like, not necessarily at fault for any of it. But at the same time... Even when he goes through, like, what happened, it's like, dude, like, if you understand the laws in this country, you understand that, like, you are held accountable for knowing the laws. Like, that's something I learned in a, like, college business law class of, like, and it was, like, freshman level even if you don't know the law, you are treated once you, if you are convicted of anything, you're treated as if you know the law because the expectation is you should know. (laughs) Most people don't know. And that's like kind of where a lot of this fails is like a lot of people don't know what their rights are, what they can fight for, but also like they don't know what actually is the law. And so Christian Dawkins was at that crossroads of like, behaving in one way but not knowing the law in another way um that kind of he definitely gets at the heart of in this documentary yeah like he didn't he didn't realize that all this stuff was potentially 
illegal um, in the eyes of a court. Um, and I mean, the law is like very murky. So it's, you know, I think a lot of things are kind of left up to interpretation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, let's see, what should we hop on to next? Again, so many things to discuss here. Yeah, it was so for folks who I mean, everyone should watch this. It's very interesting. If you're a college basketball fan, this is definitely a documentary for you. I wouldn't say it's like my favorite documentary I've watched, but it's for a fan of college basketball. If you follow if you like know anything about like Arizona, Mm -hmm. Kentucky, like Louisville, like any of those things. You're like, yeah, I should probably check in on this. Um, it it just paints. It doesn't paint a picture. It adds to a picture you probably already have in your head because again, it's fairly one sided. Um, but it's interesting. It's two hours. There's a lot to dig into with it. Yeah, you have to definitely pay attention, otherwise you get lost in the weeds. Um, so uh, Booker Richardson was like a very key player in this whole thing um yep. especially in the media as all of this was coming out um when was it 2017 eight, 2017 right yeah spring of 2017 yeah um i believe so brooke richardson was an assistant coach at arizona um at the time and he had like a very close relationship with christian dawkins um so the two of them were working together um to get players at Arizona state essentially to um, like funnel into D'Angelo's management company after they were done playing in college. Um, And there was something really interesting on tape that they showed in the documentary. I think is worth pointing out. Um, So Dawkins like was talking to D'Angelo, I believe, and said the thing with Arizona is Sean has to know everything that's going on. And then we obviously know about the whole press conference where Sean Miller, the head coach at Arizona, was like, I know nothing about any pay-for-play scheme with, like, any of our players. We don't do that here. Like, we never have. We never will. Um, And in the documentary, Dawkins basically was like, that was, like, an Oscar-worthy performance. And he (laughs) absolutely knew what was going on. Um, Like, he said Book Richardson was like Sean Miller's right hand man and like he would have known about it basically. Like I mean there were conversations between Dawkins and Sean Miller that um they also aired during the documentary. Um but I, when I heard that I was like, whoa. <laughs> when Dawkins was describing um like how he interpreted Sean Miller's reaction to the whole thing coming out, I was like, this is some tea. <laughs> it it really was um especially given that of the coaches that christian dawkins talked about in the documentary who he had talked to who kind of knew what was going on sean miller was the only one who didn't like get fired um will wade has been sacked from lsu Will Wade's performance wasn't great. Like, you know, when they talk about the signs that you're lying, like Will Wade <laughs> looks squirrely. <laughs> like it was, and I, I've forgotten because like, there's so much content you process 
in any given day. And like, despite how interesting uh, the college basketball scandal of all the bag dropping is, like you forget just how squirrely the coaches were in their press conferences. Like I regularly forget about Sean Miller and how he's like, very specific in his reason. Like I did not knowingly have basketball players paid for the universe to be recruited at the university of airs, like very specific, like a lawyer wrote it. Mm-hmm. And um, like you remove one word from a sentence and the whole thing falls apart. Exactly. Like it completely loses it. Like the meaning is completely changed. Exactly. And like, that's something that like by the, within a week, like, I, I remember when you showed me that press conference, like, we were working at CU together, and One Shining Podcast was covering it, and it was just so funny, <laughs> but it wasn't, like, like, I think about it, and I laugh about it, but then it, like, comes up again, and you're like, oh my gosh. It really wasn't funny, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, Sean Miller. Very serious thing, but, um, yeah. Lots of Lots of interesting content surrounding that, I guess, that just kept us intrigued. (laughs) Well, yeah, and, like, Sean Miller stayed employed, and again, Will Wade lost his job, and so did Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino's back, because we talked about that a couple weeks ago, he's going to Iona, but, like, um, of all the coaches that got fired in this investigation, I would not have expected Sean Miller to be the one who kept his job. Yeah. Arizona is just, like, an interesting basketball program, too, because they recruit all this, like, big talent, but then, like, at the end of the day, like, I don't feel like they have a ton to show for it. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, banners and such. (laughs) Um, but, obviously, like, they're doing something there that's working in its own way, um, but, yeah, it's just kind of like they're an interesting case study in college basketball, I think. I, I agree with that. Where, like, Arizona has the ta- – like, when they had Aiton, like, you, like, I expected them to do very well in the Pac-12, and then they were just like, meh. Um, but you would think if they were, like – paying and like i i'm guessing a lot of programs are paying players to come there but like you would guess if arizona is like paying players significantly more also this is a very hard sidebar to this ucla has is getting like a ton of money from under armor like because they're partners i was not expecting ucla to be the college that they highlighted to be getting like a very significant amount of money from a sponsor yeah Yeah, that was definitely interesting like when they showed the chart of the dollars that various schools were getting from nike or adidas yeah it was kind of surprising when they showed schools like across the board and still ucla was getting like them and ucla like this year was pretty okay yeah, like, I mean, Mick I Crow guess, and, like, did okay. like, their football and basketball brands, I would say, are, like, somewhat strong. Not necessarily, like, the product on the court slash field, but, like, 
they have a lot of brand recognition so I'm assuming that has to be part of it but I would guess but like that has to be amongst people who are like older because like coming up it wasn't like I thought of UCLA as like a dominant school they weren't the powerhouse to me I was thinking of like Ohio State Penn State like Big Ten schools even like USC you know yeah younger yeah yeah UCLA was just like another school like yeah they did all right they were middle of the road to me for a power five but like so so I guess maybe that was why it shocked me so much their numbers for how much funding they get from Under Armour I I don't know but I think that was that was definitely something I appreciated them pointing out because seeing the numbers and the bar graph oh man (laughs) I get real excited seeing a bar graph (laughs) like we've been looking at so many graphs lately like i never want to i don't want to look at any more graphs that was what i was happy to look at i'm like ah yes money okay let's see here so we have ucla and we have like louisville and like how how, please someone explore like kansas that was the one that threw me off where i was like how is ucla getting way more money than kansas yeah that was who's been so much better yeah um Interesting numbers for those of you who are numbers people. Um, so kind of where this all goes down, finally. Um, so D'Angelo just kind of like disappears on the scene. He, The story is that his like mother is super sick in Sicily because D'Angelo is an Italian guy. <laughs> this fake My person. <laughs> um, and... So he's like, I'm going to, you know, go off to Italy for a while. Like, I don't know when I'll be back, kind of. And Dawkins is like, okay, cool. So he, basically, Jill Bailey is, like, the only one um, being involved at that point, which he, like, Dawkins likes because she is much easier to work with, he says. So, um, like, a little bit of time goes by, and, um, like, Bailey and D'Angelo tell Dawkins, like, let's all meet in New York and like discuss like our kind of business plan for the upcoming year, basically. So they plan to meet at this like fancy hotel in Times Square and Dawkins goes in like Jill Bailey's in the lobby. Like they go up to the suite, go inside the suite and there's these two random guys that he's never seen before in there and like no D'Angelo. So he's like, this is kind of weird, but he's just thinking like these guys must be someone like people that D'Angelo knows and, he assumes that they're basically all just waiting for Jeff to come in, which he doesn't. Um, because at this point he's off the case. <laughs> like when he had to go help his sick mother in Sicily, that was when he stopped being on the case. Um, yep. and Joe Bailey like pulls out her FBI badge and is like, we've been watching you for months and like recording our conversations. Um, uh, and you've been doing illegal things, and he's just in shock. <laughs> um, so they basically, like, according to the documentary, according to what Dawkins says, um, the FBI, like, they asked him right then and there, like, will you get, wear a wire and be an informant and give us Rick Patino and Andy Miller, who was the agent that um, Dawkins used to work for? And he immediately says no and basically the fbi's like whole this whole long investigation they've done like rests on 
Dawkins at this point agreeing to cooperate and wear a wire because the the whole time like they wanted to bring down like these coaches who they felt like were being bribed and like doing bad things. Um, obviously, it doesn't quite pan out how they want them to things to because um, Dawkins like refuses to cooperate. Um, so then we move on to the trial against Dawkins and um, the Adidas execs. And well, I don't know if they were execs technically, um, but the people at Adidas who were involved in this whole thing. Um, do you want to discuss the trial a little bit? Yeah. So it was about um, essentially pushing people to sign with, or like young athletes to sign with Lloyd management. Um, and like, kind of assisting them financially for a while as they play AAU and then then to college and then like all right so eventually you're going to sign with us so it's a bribery situation um and so that's what Christian Dawkins that's one of the charges he got because of that um and that was I think I remember that being like the big thing that blew up was the bribery issue of just being like, okay, we're going to tell these kids, all right, you're 14 years old, you're playing AEU ball. All right, we're going to like maintain this relationship with you. We're going to help you out. We're going to make sure that you're like in a good place. And then you're going to go to college and you're going to go to this college because if I'm partnering with Adidas, I want you to go to an Adidas school. So then, um, uh you'll eventually sign with us and stay adidas so that christian dawkins ends up with that and like the the lawyers that were looking into him were from the one of the circuits in new york city but it was like the south one like the most prominent district yeah and like all of courts basically yes and i remember what number it is but yeah, and and I was like, and like, I didn't realize they knew that this. They would take on the most serious cases this district. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't think about the fact because I, if I, I don't follow a lot of like court cases. I'm not super big on like any of the law things um, when it comes to that. Where I'd be like, oh yeah, like New York, I would think it would be coming out of D.C. or somewhere in the D.M.V. And so they're talking about this and so they're talking like the the lawyer who leads this investigation is talking about it and like christian dawkins family and like lawyers see it and they're like oh my god why are you involved in this and he's like um and like honestly if i was in his position 24 25 years old and the bit like the most important like judge in the country was talking about me other than like anything that was actually part of like the supreme court i'd be i'd be concerned i'd be like oh what i do and like the fact that like the that district was involved like the most powerful one the most like well-equipped one was looking into college basketball (laughs) i'm just like what is going on in college? But there has to be more than them just being like, oh, there's bribery from college basketball coaches. Like they 
have to be looking at something more. Oh, you conspiracy theorists out there, just uh, <laughs> think about that what you will. <laughs> um, so back to the trial, just kind of like the, the premise of it. Um, the trial against Dawkins uh, was for his part in defrauding universities um, by essentially um, making an athlete no longer eligible for their athletic scholarship um, because they were being paid in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the argument um, for the prosecution was that this guy and his company um, and these Adidas people like defrauded universities like Louisville by paying their athletes um, to sign with them in the future. And it's just interesting because basically in this case, like the universities were viewed as the victims. Um, but I mean, the, the, the universities are getting like hundreds of millions of dollars from these shoe companies. Um, and then like the scholarship is valued at like significantly less than that. So it was just like an interesting, um, paradox I felt like um so because Dawkins lost this trial um he explained in the documentary that in theory the precedent was set that if you cause an athlete to no longer be eligible for their scholarship that you've defrauded a school which is a federal felony as he was charged with a federal felony um Mm -hmm. so it's just like the whole thing is kind of crazy um (laughs) Like, there are so many different things you could discuss with this and so many different ways you can interpret all of the different pieces of this case. Um, Yeah. It's it's just, like, very thought-provoking. You go from, like, thinking, well, I see this side, and then you're like, well, I see the other side, too. And (laughs) it's just, like, a back and forth. Yes. And... And, like, what he was charged with, you're like, yeah, like, that makes sense that he'd be charged with that. But, again, like, who thought to investigate that? Like, why was it being investigated? And, like, why were so many resources being thrown at it? Like, obviously, they had a team and they, like, they did, like, a phone tap. Like, they recorded his phone calls for months where I'm like, who thinks to, like record the phone calls of some random 20 something year old who like doesn't really know what they're doing um and i i know i keep coming back to like him just being like young and like really not knowing what's going on but like he was young and really like made some bad choices but like had no idea to think of this um maybe if he'd been like a conspiracy theorist maybe (laughs) but even then like what conspiracy theorist is like, yeah, the FBI cares about what college basketball coaches and agents are doing. Like, something else has to be happening. And, like, I don't think it's necessarily, like, a Hugh Freeze situation. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you're I'm like, scared. You're like, something's afoot. <laughs> Something is afoot, but, like, I want them to find it. But I honestly don't want to know what it is because... 
the most I want to deal with is like, yeah, it's (laughs) them being like, we're paying players. I'm like, great. You're paying players. You're not like hiding dead bodies. (laughs) (laughs) You think there's something more sinister in all of this? I think there is. Like, I think for like the federal government to care about college and like, I'm sure some people will say, well, it's about the money. I don't know if it's about the money, if the FBI is getting involved. Like, that seems like some IRS stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't know. I'm still very skeptical. Even after watching this, during, like, while I was watching it, I'm like, yes, I get it. I understand what's going on, but something more is afoot. The hunt (laughs) is afoot. (laughs) I feel like, um... The whole point of the documentary was to get you to kind of like side with Dawkins. And, yes. And I think they, I mean, I think they did a pretty good job of getting you to feel that way, at least temporarily yeah. before you come oh, back yeah. to your senses. Yeah. Uh, like, it, it just makes you think about like different perspectives in the whole um, college athletics like arena. Um, Yes. How different people interact with it and are involved with it. And um obviously there are a lot of like great things about college sports. Um, but it does like kind of bring up some of the some of the things that are problematic and um yeah. just kind of like leaves you like weighing both sides of things, I guess. It definitely brought up like how ugly capitalism is within college athletics like and i get it we're we're american capitalism is like sewn into our dna i get it before anyone is like but money i'm like yes money like i believe in the rule of cream cash rules everything around me i get it i understand it i know that's where we're at like this isn't a critique of it this is a we the NCAA is out to make a profit and maybe that's why they had it looked into maybe that's part of it I don't I'm like I want to like criticize the NCAA in this situation because like I do feel at times that they are looking at the um they're looking at the organization as a business more than like a a way that they're supporting student athletes yes I do think that. Again, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, uh, there has to be more than money involved. Money is part of it because like a lot of things, like everything we do comes down to money. And so someone's either missing money or they're pursuing money. It's no no one's ever (laughs) happy with where they're at. Like that. And it's just, it's just life. And like, and I, um, I think that like maybe with the NCAA and their amateurism, rules because like they're they're super big on they love to lean on well it's amateurism players are playing for the love of the game I don't think they are like if I'm super athletic if I am Zion Williamson I'm playing for the love of the game but I'm playing because I know I'm athletic I know I'm gonna do well and I know I'm gonna make money like I don't think that the NCAA moving forward can lean on like players are playing for the love of the game because a lot of the players are coming from 
socioeconomic backgrounds that don't lend to that narrative. And I think part of that goes like Christian Dawkins, like where you want to feel for him is that he understands that a lot of those student athletes are like, no, like this is my way out of the hood. This is my way out of poverty. This is my way out of X, Y, and Z. Like being a good athlete, like if I can get into college, I play for a year and then I go pro, this is going to change not only my life, but the lives of my family members. And, and like he gets it in a way that I think that other people that are like mentioned in the documentary documentary can't because they're not coming from a like I don't even think he came from that place but like he still understands kind of the barriers to entry so yeah I think the narrative does lend to him but it also shows like the failings of like the FBI these different people who are supposed to be helping. I don't know. Wow. That was tangent. Emily, <laughs> no, no. Emily Cornell sharing all of her thoughts. And uh, I think you, for the people, should get up on your soapbox more often. So that people, <laughs> oh, can, people can know all of the things. Because um, uh, I think you would have been made a great lawyer. <laughs> Thanks. It's too bad. I was like, oh, no, this is so sad. <laughs> Oh, being a lawyer. Oh, yeah, because I'm like, I don't want to defend the wrong people. <laughs> like, what if I, like, the other side of being like, um, who's the guy that, like, was just absolute, Marty Blazer, who, like, mm-hmm. no one really knows. Again, this is kind of a failing of the documentary to me. Um, is that like you don't hear all of the sides? I hope because- that, yeah, I hope that others are made where like yeah. more people are interviewed. I don't know if that'll ever happen just because of the nature of this whole situation, but yeah. um, it would be like I think good to get more viewpoints of the other stakeholders. But um, yes, just all in all, I think that both of us can agree that if you're someone who's interested in sports or business or both. Um, and how they intertwine like definitely check this out um, it's on HBO um, so I, I think that like there were things about it that we thought were well done there were things that like kind of left stuff to be desired but all in all um, I think we can both agree that it's worth giving it a watch um, and let us know your thoughts yeah Tweet at us, uh, DM us on Instagram, email us. It's all sports and corks and is not an and for San. It's the word and. <laughs> I always feel the need to like say that just because the Twitter and the Instagram like screen name is sports and yeah. with an and for San. Yeah. Don't want to go wrong there. No. So your final thoughts of the scheme um still processing i would say uh yeah it it just makes me want to like know more i guess yeah um, about all the inner workings um of this whole like business that they had <laughs> it it seems like there are some holes in their business like 
Swiss cheese holes. <laughs> what about you? Um, I would say that it, like, it was definitely a lot to think about. It was, it could have been done better again. Like, I keep coming back to, like, I want more perspectives. I don't just want to hear from Christian Dawkins. Because it's biased if you're only hearing one side of it. And, like, I, it's good that he's getting his story out there. I can appreciate that. Um, I don't think that, like, people in his situation get to air their story. And, like, spoiler alert, folks, he ends up fine. He has a new job. He's doing fine obviously he's in this documentary on hbo um so like that's that also leaves me wondering like okay so like obviously the court was like yeah you did some shady stuff but like you're fine go away we're gonna continue on but without you because obviously like you can't give us anything useful yeah, um, life goes on for Christian Dawkins, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's thriving. <laughs> Comparing himself to Dr. Gandhi. Oh, gosh. <laughs> on that note, we'll, uh, we'll be, <laughs> I don't know, maybe we'll do another episode next week. We'll just kind of, we're kind of playing things by ear and we'll see how things go. Um, if there are topics you want us to discuss, let us know on social media. Um, and the next time we record, we will be covering more of the topics that were already sent in. So keep those coming. Yeah. And we'll also, the Michael Jordan documentary mm -hmm. drops in a couple of weeks. So, um, you know, we'll be covering that big, big fans of the content, especially when it's Michael Jordan. So keep your ear to the ground for that. And we'll talk to you soon. Emily and Emily, sports and court.